Last week we talked about the meaning and warning of Romans 3.23, which reads, all have fallen short. And I use this analogy probably exhaustively. <laughs> the Greek archery term, amartia, to help us visualize the ways that we fall short or miss the mark. And more importantly, how we correct this and nail that target. We talked about the target not being moving because of God's promise and stable nature. And he's the one holding the target. So when we're missing the target, when we're falling short of the target, it's most likely a, an us problem. We're too far. We're not focused. We're distracted. Or what I find to be one of my biggest struggles is we don't apply enough effort. Sherry did warn me and I did listen to her. I did not bring a bow to church last week. I did a lot of this. But right, if you don't pull it hard enough, it doesn't matter if your aim is perfect. It's going to fall short. So that's what we talked about, this falling short. And one of the ways we accomplish this is to apply the appropriate effort. This means staying connected to God and our spiritual needs. And I, I gave the example of the recommended daily calories, and I think we generally expected it to be about 2,000. I don't think that's right. Is that close? She says, not for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> If only, right? Um, right, but then I pose this question. What if we really had this great day, right? 14,000 calories. Woo, I'm talking the good stuff. And then we were good for the whole week? It doesn't work that way. We can't do that. Because it's about a steady nourishment of our body by a frequent and measured supply daily. Our body is intelligently created and designed to be fed each day to give us the energy to physically survive that day. And then it repeats the next day and the next. And this is a part of our physical needs. It is the regular intentional intake that sustains us. And we are never intended to cram all of our food into a gluttonous day and call it good. That would never work. It's not healthy and it would not sustain us. Likewise, we were never intended to cram all of our Christianity into 75 minutes every Sunday morning. There's a mindset about Sunday morning sermons. And this one made me think a little bit. It says, each one should solve a problem. Each Sunday message should solve a problem. Have you thought about that way? I have recently, but I hadn't always thought about the way. And I may not express it in those terms, but that's, that's how I view the, the mission of the 23 to 30 minute talk I share each week. So consider the past few Sundays, right? Amartya, the problem is that we fall short. And we talked about three specific ways to hit the mark. Before that, we talked about expectantly. The problem is that we don't fully trust God to do what he has promised to do. We looked at the promises from Scripture and how he has faithfully kept his promises throughout history and in our own lives. We can have an expectant hope in him. All means all. The problem is that we impose our own standards and limits on God's promises, right? That's not possible. He didn't mean all those people, not those people that are sinners or or different, or unlovable, right? But we were reminded of the true meaning of all as God used it to eliminate fears of missing out on his promises. Do you see how this works? Sundays aren't about getting a warm and fuzzy motivational speech. In fact, I have some pretty direct questions that certainly stirred some conviction, at least in my own mind last week. As I was comparing, do I talk more about what I ate or where I ate than, than where I spend my Sunday mornings, Right? how excited I am about the sports event than how happy I am and excited I am about the future and hope I have in heaven. Those are convicting questions and they weren't warm and fuzzy, but I needed to ask them of myself and maybe you did too. It's not always a feel-good chat flanked by some songs and, and then let's go grab lunch. It's about being changed by the experience of worshiping God through music, 
learning from the message, and connecting with him through prayer and communion. Some weeks you may get your spiritual cup filled, hopefully every week. Some weeks that's maybe all you get, and that's great. But other weeks you may have had an aha moment of learning or understanding or or connecting with God because of your time here or the morning Bible study or something, conversation that you had with one another. That's why it's so important to gather. It's the testimonies, it's the experience, it's the the prayers and, and the time together. And we get to experience the aha moments through other people. That's what makes it so wonderful, this body of Christ. And each week I ask God in prayer that we are changed by this experience. May we leave here changed from what we've heard or experienced today. So this morning I've titled the message, Keep the Change. Keep the Change. It has nothing to do with money. It's about the change within us. And the problem that we're going to solve this morning is how to continually and hopefully deepen that connection with God throughout the week. We'll look at scriptural stories and instructions, and we'll talk about specific practical ways, because that's how I think, to help develop healthy habit of frequent, regular, and measured spiritual nourishment. So this week's scripture, remember, that Mark read is Colossians 2. It's actually 6 through 7. It says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the fact as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 from the NIV. Now I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here. And, and I'm going to add a little bit. Okay? I'm not going to add to his words. just an explanation a little bit. The Greek word, the NIV translation presents as continue. can also mean to walk. So think about that way, to walk. So consider that meaning. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, this is the challenge the change within you, because you've accepted Jesus Christ, there's now a change. Go about your walk. Continue in your daily living. Rooted and built up, which is connection in him. Strengthen in your faith as you were taught through your devotion time, your personal time, from group Bible studies, from the weekly message, whatever the means is that you were taught. It says, right, it says strengthened in your faith because of what you've learned and overflowing with thankfulness. That is the message of Colossians 2.6. Again, paraphrased. I, I think of this example of leaving this powerful event, right? These rallies we go to, um, Promise Keepers, things like that. Uh, a movie, right? Remember coming out of Rocky and like everybody was ready to, I don't know, run stairs or punch something, right? A conference, right? There's this emotional high and a spiritual high. And, and how do you maintain that, right? It hangs out for a while. I mean, Sherry and I love going to concerts. We come out of there, I'm like, yeah, country music, uh, you know? And then, <laughs> I was quoting her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you do, you come out of these things and you're, you're excited, you're, you're, you're powered up and, and you're on this emotional high, and you kind of develop a little tolerance um, to this fire, and it, it wanes a little bit, right? I, I mean, those were still events, and I still love them. I still think of them fondly, but I, I don't know that I'm ready to run those stairs every day. But if it's a spiritual one, we want to hang on to that, right? That passion from when we first made that decision or the most recent aha moment that we experienced in our life. We want to hang on to that and go, yeah, God loves me. God loves me. I'm going to do something awesome with this. And the enemy may try to douse it, but he only can do that if we allow him to. And that's our spiritual armor, right? We talked about all these tools that we have. You look it up and, and, and it explains that the tools we have in this proverbial armor to defend ourselves against those kinds of things. 
2 John, 2 John 1, 9, where it says, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now think about that. In our passion, sometimes we run on ahead, woo, right? And then it stops. But what about the steady walk, the continual walk, the, the energy, the passion, right, that we hopefully come out of these events, come out of church, come out of these aha moments with? I mean, even the disciples that were Jesus, the longest were with him, less than three years in total. Imagine being in his presence daily, how incredible that would be. Watching how he lived his life, hearing in person his teachings, seeing the miracles, and experiencing moments of powerful worship of God, right? He nailed it. Talk about life-changing to be a part of that group, to see that. But then you see him accused and punished and killed. And then you see him raised from the dead. Talk about something that will change you, right? No matter how much they believed in who Jesus or was or how powerful God is, wow. They're like, truly, this is the son of God, truly our savior. Not just a, a good speaker, not just a prophet, but this is the son of God who's gonna keep his promise to save me and everyone I know from here forward. But what happened next, Right? Now, they had distractions because they still had the same people that accused Jesus were accusing them. Had they had their fill of faith and now that should hold them? Did they cram it all into this three-year or less experience or, or you know, here comes the, the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. I'm like, I'm good. Okay, you know, see you next Pentecost. They didn't do that. What did they do with the remainder of their lives? You see, James 1.25 promises that whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but they will be blessed in what they do. There's that word continue, continue. So we continue, we're on this walk. We're, we're keeping the change that's been made within us. They continued in Jesus' instructions and remained in Jerusalem until Pentecost where they received the Holy Spirit just as they were promised. And the book of Acts is said to include some of the, the original history of the church, meaning this global body of believers. And it is the book of Acts where we read Peter's dissertation that leads us to what the NIV describes as the fellowship of believers. I would call this maybe the first seeds of, of the Christian church, arguably. But upon witnessing what they had seen of the disciples and hearing Peter's sermon, the book of Acts reports in the second chapter, verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to the numbers that day. That is a powerful sermon, my friend. Those 3,000 people were changed. Now, do you think they went back to their old habits and ways, or do you think they kept the change? If they're like us, there's a pretty good chance that most of them didn't quite stick to it like, like they'd hope. In fact, you know, Paul's epistles were about, hey, guys, you, you were doing so good, and then you, you stumbled. But I want to pick up the very next verse. And I love that the subtitle in the NIV is the Fellowship of Believers. And here's what it says. This is Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to unpack that for a minute. It says they devoted 
themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking bread and a prayer. There's some, there's some indications of what we should be doing, right? We're devoted to each other, right? We, we belong to this global body of people. We devote ourselves to the mission of the church and to the teachings. And we enjoy the fellowship and we enjoy the breaking of bread. And that could mean the breaking of bread in communion or it could be breaking of bread, sharing meals. Both, both are important. And it says, end of prayer. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. These are the aha moments. They're like, wow. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now I would say this is everything of importance. It doesn't say the Bible says they became one race or gender or height or weight or intelligence or background, okay? But they were united by what matters, and that is the love of Jesus, accepting the gospel as the good news of salvation. And it says they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And it says every day they continued, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I love it. We're not going to talk about evangelism this week. We're, we're talking about ourselves, about how we continue. Friends, this is the model for spiritual growth of individuals and of the church. It is also the model for keeping the change. I have a two-part gift for you this week, and I hope I'm still on track with at least one of them. I think I am. Number one is I'm not going to talk to you for the full 23 to 30 minutes. Thank you. I was, at least I didn't get an applause. That would have hurt. <laughs> but you are welcome. The other is that I prepared a tool to help us continue the spiritual connection and momentum we have hopefully established here on Sunday. Sure is going to pass us out. But as we just read from the book of Acts, the people did several things daily, both in response to their faith and also to continue to grow in it. What is effective for you is likely different from what is effective for someone else. In fact, your needs each week or even each day may look different from that of the previous day or previous week. Now, it's no secret I'm a planner. Sherry knows that, and she graciously accepts this difference in our personalities. And for me, it helps me have a plan as a target, a goal, things to do, places to be, and how I think things should be done. And let's be honest, that's kind of the rub for us, isn't it, dear? Okay. But the half page that Sherry is passing out is, is a tool I've created. It's, it's the template for a plan to help us stay connected to God, to continue our spiritual momentum, and to be a source of encouragement to do so. And for those listening online, just shoot me an email. I'll, I'll get it over to you. But on one side is a list of some of the activities that could be easily done each day to help us get our regular daily spiritual nourishment between Sunday mornings. Okay? These are just ideas. Read the Bible for 15 minutes or more. Spend 15 minutes or more in prayer. Read a daily devotion. I put a couple websites on there, but you can find them anywhere. Listen to a past message. We have a podcast. Or find another one. There's great messages out there. You could probably find one that's a little shorter than mine. Journal your thoughts, your concerns, and your prayers. This is good stuff, friends. Journaling is therapeutic. It's a wonderful way to see how God's working in your life. It's a great way to have a reminder of the things we should be praying for. Participate in a group Bible study. Now, I've listed four there that we have regularly. Our uh, Sunday mornings, our Wednesday nights, and then we have um, a couple disciples, men, disciples, women that are open by gender to you know, several in the state, but there are other ones as well. There are certainly good studies um, that you can group, begin to be a part of. I'd say take 30 minutes of alone and quiet time. 
Why did I say 30 when you don't have to read the Bible at 15? Because I think if you do it for 30 minutes, you're going to be lucky to get 15 actual quiet moments, either with interruption or, or the busy brain thing, right? <laughs> Attend and engage in a worship service. Don't just show up, but, but engage, right? Do the, do the stuff that, that draws you into the service, whatever that means. If it means sing loud, great. If it means sing in your head, that's fine. If it means, you know, do this during communion or the quiet time, that's you. But whatever engagement looks like, Attend and engage in a worship service. Seek an answer to a spiritual question. Now, before you go talk to Pastor Google, I would check your resource. But there are good sources out there. Or shoot one to me, or, and I will find something for you. But, but there's great Bible commentaries. There's great questions. There's great websites. But just, again, check the source. Lead a prayer with family or friends. Now, that might sound a little like evangelism. But I, there's something in it about saying your prayer out loud and doing that with or for someone else. Lead a devotion time. Use your God-given gift of creativity. Now, why would I put that on there? Again, it's therapeutic. If God made you a singer, or even if he didn't make you a singer, if you like to sing, knock yourself out, right? What do they say? Those who sing, sing out loud. Those who can't sing, sing loud to, to annoy everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Use your God-given art, draw, color, journal, whatever it is. God's given you this creativity. Woo! You want to connect with God? Go for a walk in nature if that's your thing. Let's tune your radio to Christian music. If you're doing something else, just flip on that and just have it going in the background. It can be hymns. It can be something contemporary. But listen to the words because they're all written with a purpose. And I put a couple of them on here that are local stations. And, of course, streaming services have them as well. But on the back side of this is a simple calendar. Sunday through Sunday, right? Because we're going to have a full week. The idea is that you can make a plan to do one or two or more of these simple tasks every day. Good news, you can write in and attend worship today. Check the box right there, right? But there's more. So, so do that. And then I want to encourage you not to beat yourself up if you make a plan, but for some reason you can't stick to it, right? We just, we move on. We move on and we hit it the next day. That is the challenge I'm issuing. So whether you're like me and using a tool like this is, is for you or not, I hope that you will try at least for at least one week. I want to both encourage you and challenge you to do this and bring it back with you next week, next Sunday. I'm not going to embarrass you and say, how many you got done? But I'd like to see that kind of commitment. So why is this our regular daily effort at Connection are so important? Because, because our mission as the church, us, is to share the good news of the gospel and to show others the love of God. As a congregation, we are working alongside each other as a collective group to take as many people or to get to heaven and take as many people with us. I love that. I heard that at a wedding. I thought that, you know, it's really kind of casual language, but I love it, right? Aren't we trying to get to heaven and take as many people as we can with us? And we know the way. We are a perpetuating movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. And it starts with being connected to God ourselves. Will you commit to that? And before you nod, I, I found another analogy because I love these things. Three frogs sitting on a log. Okay? Three frogs sitting on a log. And one of them says, I have decided to jump. What does that mean? Flip the screen. Nothing. He decided. He didn't do it. I have decided to jump. Don't decide to commit to this. Don't decide to, to do it. Okay? This is the faith in action. This is being doers of the words. So let's do more than make that our goal. So let's be able to look back on the next seven days and say, we have continued to, in, to walk in faithfulness, remaining, even deepening our connection with God each day. Beyond and between our time in here in the sanctuary, we've done that. So let's keep the change that God has made within us 
whether that's this morning, in an aha moment, a baptism, whatever it is, let's keep that change within us and prepare ourselves to do something powerful with it in his name. That's the goal. In the New Testament book of 3 John, he writes in verse one, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 3, he says, it gives me great joy when some believers came and testified about you and your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. This is a, this is a hearsay, right? I didn't just see it. You didn't tell me you did it. I found great joy because I heard people telling me that you have continued to walk in it. Let's make that our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this challenge. Thank you for the so many tools we have to stay connected. And, and, and most of all, thank you for being you, that you pursue us even harder than we pursue you. So Lord, this week, we're gonna put an extra intentional focus. It's not just that we've decided to seek you. It is not that we just decided to continue this momentum. We will actually do it. Lord, guide our hearts and our ways. Help us to, to chisel out the time, to, to set the priorities, and to give just a few minutes every day of this week to draw closer to you. And we know because you have undeniably promised us, you will bless us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.